on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen on the ESPN app. That is a terrific way to stay in touch with this here radio program and this here radio station. Just download the ESPN app. That's simple enough. Find the Listen tab. Find ESPN Syracuse. And away you go, kids. Wherever you go, we go with you. We put the clocks ahead yesterday. It's lighter, later. You're going to be moving and grooving and doing things. Winter is holding on here, even with the clock change. But pretty soon, it's going to be spring. You're going to be outside. You're going to be doing stuff. And we want to do that stuff with you. Can we come? Put us on the ESPN app, my friends. On the Listen tab, and away you go. Here's how you get in touch with the radio program, 437-7644. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. I wonder what there is to talk about today. Sorry, America. Sorry, USC. Oh, Oklahoma State. Our bad. Hey, Notre Dame. Remember that time you uh, came to the Carrier Dome, beat Syracuse without Colson and Farrell? And it didn't matter. Put on your red shoes and dance the blue. To all the bubble teams that did not get in, we say enjoy the NIT. Because that's where we were last year. deserve to be in maybe not but they're in are the orange the absolute last team to make the field 68 out of 68 if you will Uh, yes they are did a certain radio host at one point in time say that the play-in game is not the real tournament the play-in game is a gimmick the first four is a fraud. And it's not the real tournament. Uh, yes, I did. And I, I still feel that way, but I'm swimming against the tide here in that sense because ask a Syracuse fan if they're in the tournament. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say what the great David Bowie 
sings here. We're dancing. That is going to be a response from you. So much to the chagrin of uh, one Douglas Gottlieb and many across the great land who cover college basketball or the fan bases that got left out, we say, uh, shoulder shrug, sorry about that. We got in and you didn't, right? So now what can the Orange do that they have made their way into the air quotes NCAA tournament? They are in. Other teams are not. How far can this quest go with just six players and having to go through lovely Dayton, Ohio on a Wednesday night and then to have to turn around should they win on Wednesday night? Should they beat Bobby Hurley's Arizona State squad to meet up with Jamie Dixon's TCU squad? Jamie Dixon's certainly familiar with that zone defense a little bit. Can he teach young TCU? How to handle the zone in a very short period of time should the Orange get by Arizona State? And then who could be looming after that? If somehow, someway, the Orange can keep winning. Because if we've learned anything about Syracuse, the tournament, and even things not involving Syracuse, it is to expect the unexpected. We will stare at these brackets and we will talk ourselves into things not possible over the next few days. But when you hand in that bracket, you're going to hand in a bracket that at least has Syracuse listed on it. And it is the 11 Arizona State slash 11 Syracuse. But how genuinely surprised were you that they got in? And I mean that. And, you know, it's one of those things like everybody was there kind of thing. Oh, I I knew it all along. Saw many people on social media. I I knew it all along. (laughs) I said, no, you didn't. But that's fine. Everybody's happy and, you know, it's it's like people that went to the greatest comeback in NFL history, right? Officially, there was only 80,000 people at that game, but unofficially, there was 280,000 people at that game. Or like, a, you know, when Syracuse came back against Connecticut in the six-overtime game, or think of like a great moment that you wish you were there, and we know what the official attendance was, and people that were there that can tell the stories that were there, but people that claim there were there. That's every Syracuse fan walking around today. Oh, I knew it all along. Oh, they were in. Oh, absolutely. And that's great. But did you make it Twitter official? So you got to make it Twitter official. Because when we were here on Friday and we were going into the weekend, what I said all along was, I don't know what the committee will do. I don't know what they're going to put value in. But there was something about Syracuse's resume that made me say, it's very committee friendly. They have all the right measurements. They have all the right numbers. And on, I literally said this, you know, Sally on about Doug Gottlieb and some critics that have made this point. They're not entirely wrong to say on a spreadsheet, in passing, on a piece of paper, Syracuse looks good. And if it came down to Syracuse versus another team, that they would look good in comparison. So how much of the eye test, how much of basketball that they watched, body of work, all of these buzzwords that we hear this time of the year would come into play because I test why Syracuse does not pass. Syracuse is not a fun team to watch. They play mostly in the 60s. They're a, a slog it through defensive type of team that can have offensive spurts at times, but then can have Frank Howard and Tyus Battle combined to go eight for 39 and fall off the face of the earth offensively. They're not a team that goes entirely deep. They're not an entertaining basketball team to watch. 
but six of their 13 losses were to the top two seeds, or pardon me, of the top eight seeds on either the one or the two line, the Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, those type of teams out there. 15 of their 20 wins, or 14 of their 20 wins, because this went back and forth, did come from the Quadrant 3 and Quadrant 4 territory, and Buffalo ended up as a Quadrant 1 win, and some things shifted around, and when Davidson won yesterday, a lot of Syracuse fans gave up right there, and you had every reason to believe that, because David Warlock, who works for the NCAA, this was going around this weekend if you didn't see it, was kind of teasing us a little bit, and on Saturday night put out a tweet that said, if Davidson beats Rhode Island, in the Atlantic 10 Championship, that is going to knock out a prominent program that you will know. So when you did the math, it's like, well, that's going to be Syracuse or Notre Dame or Arizona State or, you know, there was a list that we knew who the teams were, who the candidates were on that list. And as it turned out, it was Notre Dame and not Syracuse. So it's amazing how we fall into that trap about arguing and our boy Mike McAllister did this better than anybody. I just saw Mike text me during the program here, and it made me think of Mike was fighting the good fight on Twitter, and I'm glad that Mike was out there to do this because I got better things to do than fight with people on Twitter all day about strength of schedule, RPI, numbers this, resume that. I mean, I got things to do. I got to go to Wegmans where, you know, I was asked by every fifth person whether they were in or out anyway, which was great. And by the way, I got witnesses, okay? I got witnesses. I, got, I made a Twitter official Sunday morning. I said, they're in. They're going to Dayton. Enjoy the day. People at Wegmans, are they in or out? I said, in. I was like, really? I said, yes. They're going to Dayton. Lock it in, right? And it happened. And, you know, it's a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while kind of thing. Broken clock's right twice a day. Once in a while, Uncle Brent gets one right. Because that's just it. It felt right that they go to Dayton. I mean, Oklahoma State had eight quadrant one wins. They had some impressive wins throughout the season. They lost 14 games. When you've got a strength of schedule non-conference in the 300s, I'm sorry, you don't get to play. Okay? Sorry about that, Doug. But you don't get to play. And Notre Dame, yes, beat Syracuse head-to-head. The Colson-Farrell thing injury-wise had Notre Dame gotten in over Syracuse, I wouldn't have kicked and screamed too much, but there were holes in their resume. If you are a bubble team, there are holes in everybody's resume. But Syracuse answered the question best, according to the committee, and you can question the committee's methods all you want, but the committee said, and the head of the committee was out there yesterday saying, who did you play, where did you play them, and how did you do? The numbers did add up on paper, on a spreadsheet, on a digital page, however it looked, the more I stared at that, the more I said, the committee's just not going to overlook this. Because I tried to put my head where the committee is, unlike, say, Joe Lenardi, who just continued to tweet asinine things over the weekend. And I hate to say that. I really do, because I like Joe. Joe has been gracious with his time on this radio program, Nobody out there that does this, that proclaims themselves to be a bracketologist, would be doing it without him. He was doing it long before it was a thing, right? So respect to the godfather there. But man, has he not only been wrong 
but the way that he just continually deferred on Syracuse and came up with ridiculous reasons why they were not, in this case, they were not in. And not only were they not in, they were like, you know, the next four out, right? And I said, if you just look at it objectively, which I, I don't think he's able to do anymore. If you had him out, that's fine. If you had him, you know, first four out, I think that's fair. As most did, but boy, the reasons he gave for why this team couldn't get in. His latest tweet on Saturday night, I said, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. And on Sunday when I was kind of going through it all and this bracketologist said that and this bracketologist said this and I didn't even bother with Lenardi because you knew he'd be wrong and now that's three straight years that in fact he has been wrong. So that's unfortunate, again, because I like Joe and, and he puts in a lot of hours and a lot of work and you know he he created a whole industry and that deserves a hat tip, but man, is he misfired. It's one thing to be wrong. It's the way and just the, the brush-off attitude that he had, and I gave up talking about Syracuse for Lent and you know what he said Saturday, they're just not a very good team. It's like, okay, that's fine if you feel that way, and that's Gottlieb's point that you know at one point have you watched Syracuse and said, boy, that's a great team. It's fine if you feel that way, but it doesn't matter. We're not. About, this isn't about semantics here. It's about what's your resume say. Are you good enough to be in the conversation? And the fact of the matter is they were beauty contest. There's plenty of teams in the tournament that aren't fun to watch, that play slow, that slow things down, that play deliberately. You know, if you watch Virginia, by the way, I mean, everybody knows how good of a team that is. That's not a fair comparison in some ways, but if you want to get into when have I watched a team and felt they were great, well, not every team in the tournament is great. There's a team with a losing record in this tournament, a team that Syracuse played, by the way, in Texas Southern, and credit to Texas Southern because they played anyone, anytime, anywhere and had one of the more unique schedules I've ever seen in my life. And it paid off in terms of hottest fire makes the strongest deal. They go to their conference tournament, they win, and they're in. They're the one exception I can think of in a long time that had a losing record, and I feel like, you know what? They should be in because they challenged themselves. They played everybody. So into March Madness we go, ladies and gentlemen. Not only Syracuse, but overall, the brackets will be filled out throughout the week. We've got a bracket challenge at ESPNSyracuse.com where you can go up against all of our hosts and fellow listeners and win some great prizes, including Syracuse tickets, dinner at Tully's, and so much more. Go there, register, be part of our bracket challenge at ESPNSyracuse.com. 437-7644 if you want to get on board. Dro and Clay is going to lead us off today. Dro, we're not playing Lean On Me today. We're playing happy songs. We're playing And We Danced and Let's Dance and Dance the Night Away and all sorts of dancing tunes. I want to see you dance, by the way. Oh, me? Yes. No. Yes. I <laughs> no. want to see this. No, that's, um, we'll, we'll save that. We'll, we actually, um... I think we had a little dance on Albany back in 2003 when I first met you, when we beat Oklahoma, remember? Oh, I got in the radio sure with you. I remember that like it was yesterday. We brought the house oh, down my. in Albany, baby. Oh, we sure did. We sure did. Uh, definitely great to be in the tournament, you know, and, and it's better to be there than not. I mean, I, I compare it to soccer in the World Cup. Two powerhouses, Italy, United States, not in the World Cup, not a part of the tournament. That's kind of embarrassing. For us to be back in this tournament for the season that we had, 
any average coach would have won 10 to 12 games as a team this year. The fact that Jim Van won 20 is amazing. And he put us in a position to win with injuries, with the sanctions and everything. And you hope that next year at this time that we don't have to deal with the bubble talk anymore. I'm done with it. Only bubble talk from here on out has got to be Seinfeld's bubble boy, and that's it. Uh, and that's it, man. I'm just—it's—it's it's a relief to be in the tournament. And look, I would rather lose Wednesday night than win an NIT game. The NIT—I want—I'm so any fan that ever calls again and says I want to be in the NIT. Give me a break. Just shut up. I mean, how dumb do you feel right now if you said that, knowing that Syracuse is in the NCAA tournament and how that feels? But before you go, Dro, I'm going to ask this question later. But while I got you on the horn. And I, I think I know the answer before I ask it, but I, I want to anyway because you're as passionate a fan as I know in this town. No matter what happens from here on out, is this a successful season for Syracuse? Considering the circumstances that this team has dealt this year, yes. Is it the norm? No. As I told you last week, these past few years have been tough. Considering everything went down with this team this year, this is, yes. I, every, anything that you do from here on out is great. That's it. It's an added bonus. I agree. I am with you 100%. Everything from here on out is gravy, and you phrased it well there, bro. Given the circumstances, given the circumstances, this is a successful season. Yeah, all you NIT people, I mean, how dumb was that? It's just, it was dumb even if... He didn't have this feeling that Syracuse is in the tournament and they want to dance with somebody. Right? Right, Whitney? I want to dance with with your dates. You mind if we dance with your date? All the dance references. Come on. They're coming. You know they're coming. You listen to this show enough. Come on. That's more predictable than the sunrise, which now is a little later because we set the clocks ahead this weekend, but that's... Not important. So that is the question at hand. It's a question I pose to you. We will start to go through the bracket. We'll break down Arizona State. We'll do it all. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. think this team uh, fought as, as, did as much as you could ask them to do, really. And, you know, if <clears throat> Pascal held, held, was healthy all year, if he'd have gone down or something like last year, you know, we would have struggled to win. Everybody got their dancing shoes on today? You know, no reason. Just, just wondering. Just asking. 
all the dance songs. All the dance references. And right now you're like, oh, what, what? I know this song. What is this song? How dare you not know the Hooters? And we dance. And we dance. Right into Dayton, baby. We got a date in Dayton. You mind if we dance with Arizona State? The Orange are in. Sorry about that, America. Sorry about that, Doug Gottlieb. Sorry about that, anybody else uh, that we need to apologize to. But uh, they're in. They're the last team in. They barely got in. Maybe there was some doubt out there when Davidson won. You're like, oh, dear. There goes a bid. But dance they will. How far? Well, that remains to be seen. If you are someone that did not consider the first four, the play-in game, Dayton, Ohio, a legit site for NCAA tournament basketball, and uh, double thumbs this guy, I was one of them. And I still kind of feel that way, but hey, listen, that's what the format says. It is there. Syracuse has been given a chance to play in something other than the NIT, and Syracuse fans will certainly take it. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. So we are certainly discussing that, looking at brackets. We're going to hear a little bit more of what Jim Beheim said Last night, I certainly want to hear from you, and I'll, I'll reset the question for those of you just joining us here. No matter what happens from here on out, do you consider this a successful season for the Syracuse Basketball Orange? All things considered, knowing the roster limitations, knowing how they played, knowing who they played, knowing that, yes, they got in, but their resume, according to some, is pretty flimsy. And I think there are some teams that have a legit case to bang on the committee's door and say, uh, really? Them over us. And I think USC shoots right to the top of that list. But we've been on both sides of this coin. There are years Syracuse got screwed. There are years Syracuse got in when they shouldn't have and went to the Final Four. There are years maybe they should have been in and didn't get in. Anyway, you can slice that pie. Syracuse has been sitting there. So the fact that they, in the minds of some, snuck in because they had the right resume, because they scheduled the right way, because their strength of schedule, non-conference, wasn't in the 300s, like uh, the alma mater of a certain analyst who loves to troll Syracuse fans. Uh, Shoulder shrug, sorry about that, but they are in. And Arizona State awaits for the orange. Jim Beheim, being the hoops junkie that he is, has seen plenty of the Sun Devils Pac-12 late-night action. Well, they're really good. They were in the top five in the country early in the year. They'd won at Kansas. They'd beaten uh, a couple big big games. They won a couple of huge games early. Um, and you watch them. Their, their guards are great. They really have tremendous guard play. Um, they shoot it really well. You know, they're really tough physical basketball team. It's really what it comes down to in March, right? It's a cliche for a reason, and there are exceptions to all rules. Like when you say have DeAndre Ayton on your team, somebody that can probably carry you despite guard play or with guard play, everything in between, and certain star players, you know, Danny and the Miracles back in the day. But, you know, if you're going to advance and dance, we were lives in love and we dance. Now I got that song in my head, and that's not such a bad thing. You need guard play. And that is something that Arizona State certainly brings to the table. Arizona State's kind of a helter-skelter team. They just pass the ball around, take shots. They're kind of a 
not a poor man's Boston College because they're better than Boston College, so they're kind of an upgrade, but they kind of do what Boston College does. Not completely similar, but they're going to shoot a lot. And one of the big things that got Syracuse into the tournament, other than a very forgiving committee, is they learned a, a tough, hard lesson from Boston College. And that tough, hard lesson was obvious, but it's one that they had to learn, and that lesson was you've got to get out on three-point shooters. You've got to challenge teams that certainly are going to take a lot of shots against the zone defense. And there's one thing Arizona State does well, it is just that. They score a lot. They've got great guard play. They move the ball. But they do not have much of an interior presence, so this is going to open things up for Pascal to do his Pascal thing, which, you know, you just kind of don't know what direction the wind's blowing that day with foul trouble, with injuries, and other factors. If you get the Wake Forest version of Pascal in the ACC tournament, you're doing great. If you get the, say, other version of Pascal in games where he gets into foul trouble and is out before you can take that second sip of your cold beverage, well, it, it could get interesting. But really what it comes down to is the big three. Ties battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea, Brissett. And I know that guard play is important and that is not something to be taken lightly. But I think that if Syracuse is going to make it to Detroit, and where else would you rather be this time of the year than Detroit? But if you're going to make it to Detroit on Friday via Dayton on Wednesday, I really feel that it's O'Shea Brissett that is going to make the difference. Because I've kind of, it's pretty obvious to note about Tyus and Frank and guard play in this time of the year. But you know what else you need? You need really talented players and an X factor here and there. And that could be Merrick Dolzhai. That could be Pascal. That could be something I'm not mentioning right now. But I really think you need balance. You need scoring. You need somebody that can keep pace on the offensive end. And if Arizona State's hitting shots and this turns into a game and they can score, but on the other end, they've lost five of their last six games. They're not exactly coming in roaring here. And as controversial, air quotes, as the Syracuse pick was, a lot of people said, Arizona State, really? Particularly over SC. Can we just say this straight up here, and I don't want to point fingers at the expense of Syracuse or anybody, I just want to speak generally. USC got absolutely boned. They deserve to be in this tournament. I'm sorry. That's a tournament resume. They at least deserve to be in Dayton. Perhaps over UCLA, perhaps instead of St. Bonaventure, who should be in the real tournament. I'm not saying Bonaventure should be out. Far from it. Bonaventure shouldn't have to go to the play-in game. USC, by all measures, deserves to be in this tournament. I don't know if you saw Andy Enfield last night. You remember the guy that they picked instead of Mike Hopkins to coach that team? Mike Hopkins is now Pac-12 Coach of the Year in Washington. That would have been the only saving grace, by the way, quick aside, of the NIT if Syracuse and Washington had met up there at some point. Other than that, yeah, no, don't really need an NIT in any way, shape, or form. But a young team could play four games and learn and just stop. Just... If you had that take, how dumb do you feel today, knowing that Syracuse is kind of in, question mark, asterisk, attached, first four? But it's better than the NIT. That, that I can tell you, in a time of year where nothing is definitive and prepare for anything, I can tell you this, with 100% authority, it ain't the NIT. Steve in Liverpool is on the block, 437-7644. Steve, what's happening, man? Brent, i got to talk to you off the ledge of the first four. That is the NCAA dance. It's very similar because 
Syracuse had to play a play-in game at the ACC, remember? And they lost it. No. The play-in game is they beat Wake Forest. That's the play-in game? All right. All right. You know, North Carolina would have been the play-in game, your in-game, but I guess that's kind of a play-in game. I mean, mean, we're we're dancing around it here, but... Most conferences have those type of setups that even the lowest can get in and, and possibly win the tournament. But on the other hand, I looked that they expanded to 68 teams. But by doing that, they created this uh, kind of first four. You know what I don't like about the first four, honestly, Steve, is that they make 16 seeds go to it. It's like, come on, this these teams won their conference tournament. They think they're in. And then, no, we're going to make you win. And then, oh, by the way, when you win this one, you get Duke. Like it's come on, what are you doing? You know, right. I just I don't like that. I, I would I think it'd be more interesting. We were just talking about USC, right? Let's get Arizona State, Syracuse, USC, Notre Dame, all the teams that felt like that they got robbed of a bid here. Put them here. Put them here at the first four. So Steve, appreciate the thoughts and the call there. Four three seven seventy six forty four. I don't like that. You know, I know LIU, Brooklyn, and Radford, and NC Central. And look, Texas Southern had a losing record and won their conference tournament. I mean, they played everybody under the sun, including Syracuse, by the way. So that added another team that made the tournament that Syracuse beat. And I, I say this all the time. When that schedule comes out, there's always two or three teams you don't think are tournament teams that turn into tournament teams. Iona, Texas Southern. I know Buffalo was kind of projected to be good this year, but... To be a quad one win and be an at-large bid, I mean, they won their tournament, right? But they would have been an at-large bid had they not. There's always a few teams lurking on Syracuse's schedule that make the tournament, and look, this is what got them in. What got them in was numbers, measurements, you know, strength of schedule, scheduling the right way. They got some breaks, but there is a philosophy there, and Syracuse learned that lesson, and... For all this talk of the new analytics and the quad system and everything coming into play, the committee, by and large, was pretty old school here. They went RPI, strength the schedule, and rewarded a team. As the committee chair said, who did you play, where did you play him, and how did you do? Let's see what Pat and Syracuse thinks on the block. Pat? Could not be could not be happier with the results. Um, I thought I was going to get disowned by friends and family who thought I was crazy and a homer. I mean, I, I had a really good feeling on Syracuse. Uh, I know you chimed in yesterday uh, that you thought they'd sneak in. I, I, I was concerned a little bit more after Davidson, but I figured, you know what? Unless they're the last team in, they're still getting in, and uh, luckily they had one slot to spare. You know, I don't, I don't want to spend more than 30 seconds on USC, but I, I, I will say I, I know exactly why they didn't get in. Um, they had no elite wins and one quad four loss. Nobody else That'll on hurt. the entire bubble, yep. 15 up and down, can say that. That'll hurt, but, but I don't think that's a that's a deal breaker. I think they still deserve to be in looking at, at some other teams that did. But, yeah, that'll hurt you. I mean, basically, like, how I think the committee looks at it is if if you have one, one really bad loss, you better have a quality, quality win to, to beat it. And, like, last year with Syracuse, they had three great wins, but unfortunately they had, you know, three bad losses. So it kind of canceled it out. So then they looked at the road record. I, I, I think that's how it worked with USC. I think that probably was a tournament team based on what I saw on the floor in the Pac-10. Uh, but they got completely outclassed by an Arizona team that was playing well. And I was watching that game because I knew that 
if USC didn't win that game, that that then that was a potential team on the bubble. Um, for for Syracuse and Arizona State, absolutely love the matchup. What I look for in a tournament setting is, does the team like playing fast or slow? When Syracuse has struggled in the tournament, it's against teams that are fine playing slow. Look at Texas A&M. They beat them. They, they were fine stall ball. You look at Vermont. They wanted you to play slow because you were better than them. Arizona State wants to play fast. We've played much better offensive teams with Carolina, who had bigs, who have seen the zone more and also play a lot better defense than Arizona State. I'm surprised we're a two-point dog. I really like the matchup with that, and then we'll take our chances with Mr. Dixon uh, if we get there Friday night. I just want to remind people, Michigan State, they only have two wins against tournament teams, and Syracuse has seven. Um, So we'll have to see how that translates if it gets that far, but I'm happy to be in, and uh, as I said on Twitter, I'm not a homer. I just did my homework, and I thought Syracuse would, would get in, and they did. And it looks like we didn't have to get to Friday, Saturday, or even beat Carolina in the ACC tournament to get a bid because there was two bid stealers and almost three in Middle Tennessee, and we still made it. Pat, so I'm, more, I'm, I'm ecstatic. One more thought before we let you go here because you're as big of a fan as anybody. No matter what happens from here, do you consider this a successful season? Yes, I'm going to answer this two ways. I actually think, based on what happened with Thompson, Thorpe, and then the injury to Sidibe, and then the other Knicks and Knicks that we had all year, absolutely, this absolutely is. But I think preseason, I, you know, we talked about Geno Thorpe. I mean, Howard kind of laid that to best because he's held the four down at the guard spot. But when we lost Howard Washington, who I didn't just mention either there, those injuries, absolutely. I think with our roster that we had, if, if we had kept Thorpe and Washington – Forget Thompson because he was never on. Uh, he, you know, he left in what September first. Um, I think we still underachieved based on that roster, but based on how it ironed itself out. I mean, gosh, I heard Bruce Pearl with Auburn. He's like, "Oh, I only have nine healthy players." I'd raise my hand for, for, for eight. So. <laughs> That's a luxury at this point. Exactly. Pat, thanks for the call, my friend. i got to fly to a break here, but uh, great thoughts, and I, I love that line that you have. I'm not a homer. I just did my homework. That's fantastic. We need to break. We'll come back after this. You're on the block. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Glad to have you here on this bracket-filled Monday that includes your Syracuse basketball orange. Now, I want to get back to the uh, hoops talk, and we'll have plenty of it as we go through the week. We will talk to experts. We will get a little more on Arizona State and You'll be as ready as you can be, not only to fill out your bracket, but to get ready for a 9-10 tip-off between Arizona State and Syracuse on Wednesday night. I I do want to take a step back here on kind of a a somber note and a serious note, but one that I I feel we need to take some time to do, and that is to discuss that uh, we lost a friend. We lost a good friend on Friday, and a friend of not only Galaxy Communications, and the Orange Radio Network, but a friend in so many ways. I think a lot of Syracuse football fans, if you're connected any way, shape, or form, not only to Syracuse through being a fan or through athletics, or it didn't take a lot for you to, at some point, if you were under some of those umbrellas, to run into, to interact with, or in some way, shape, or form, be influenced by Chris Gedney who we now know, of course, passed away on Friday 
and the stories and the information about that uh, came out over the weekend, and that was that was tough to hear. You know, we are. I found that one of the things that that stinks about getting older. I'm going to be 40 this year, so you know, not old old then you know, not 65, 70, and and this just kind of becomes normal. But what I found in getting older is just how common things like this happen that, you know, you deal with death. And that sounds pretty morbid and pretty serious to say, but that's what's really struck me. And it sounds obvious, but that's just really what has hit me about this. But as common as it, it is, unfortunately, to see, you know, that parents of yours are passing away, the friends of yours, you open the obituary and more and more, you're like, I know that person. This was still as big of a gut punch as you can get. To hear that this had happened, and it, it just took my breath away to to hear this. And everybody that know that knew Chris, that interacted with Chris, that just listened to him on the radio, where he did an amazing job, or was a fan of his, it truly one of the great people that I had the pleasure to know professionally, and you know, in any walk of life. There's just certain people that that come along that you meet. And I think Matt Park really described it well when he spoke with Syracuse.com and said this. There there are just people you come across that have a presence. You know, that old expression, they light up a room. You just, you, you just feel it. And Chris was one of those people. And, you know, my Chris Gedney story, if you will, my, my best experiences with him and a lot of people out there listening and that. I've been thinking about him and honoring his life over the weekend and will continue to do so. Of course, I believe his uh, funeral arrangements were announced today. and saw a story about that on Syracuse.com if, if you're interested and want to pay your respects later this week. But the great experience that I had with Chris, and I'm thankful for it, was so Chris and I appeared weekly on the Orange Nation show on Channel 9. And I had certainly seen Chris around the radio station and other places, but Thinking about it now, I'm so thankful we had this. So it was just pretty simple. Chris would do the second segment of the show. The third segment of the show was a recorded interview, and then I would do the fourth segment. So there was usually about eh, six or seven minutes there. And every time, every single time, Chris would not only come chat with me, but the conversation, we'd certainly talk football, but, you know, that was probably the least amount of things we talked about because, you know, save it for the air, as they say. You save your best stuff for the air. But what really struck me and why I wanted to talk about this today was the thing that Chris always wanted to talk about with me was you. Every single time I talked to Chris, what he wanted to know was, Axe, what are people saying? What are they saying on the show? How do they feel about this team? And he would always say to me, how can we get more people in the dome? And he wouldn't say it in a critical way. He would say it in a way because he genuinely wanted to know. Chris was always asking about you, about the fans, about what you're thinking, what you need, what you want to know, what it would take to get you back to football games. And I, I would just tell him what was discussed on the show, what I was hearing on the street, just you know, being in the position that I'm in. And he would just always take that in. And I could tell was just processing it and thinking like, okay, like now, like a football player making a game plan. 
his passion for Syracuse and Syracuse football and former players really spoke for itself. I don't think you need me to tell you that. I think a lot of people have a Chris Gedney story, being from Liverpool High School, Syracuse University, his dealings with the you know the the Orange Pack as it was known then, the Orange Club as it's known now, and but it, it's funny how things come full circle. I mean, what Chris Gedney is ultimately going to be remembered for, football wise, was he came up three yards short against Miami, and that play and that picture, I just have it burned into my head of Chris with his hands on his helmet because he came up just that short of what was an incredible game of beating Miami that day. Gino Toretta in Miami, 1992. I was sitting on the three-yard line. I was right there parallel from that play. And this was at a time when I was, you know, growing up and becoming a fan, and I wasn't just going to games because, hey, it was cool. i go to games. My dad would buy me ice cream, and, oh, there's Otto. It's like, no, I was becoming a football fan, trying to understand sports and wanted to go to games because I liked going to games. And that will always be a part of one of the great weekends I've had. My dad and I, who I lost a couple years ago, we just had this unbelievable weekend. We went to an SU Miami game. We had something else that is not popping in my head right now. We went to a Bills game that weekend. It was just like a big bro weekend between my dad and I. And I just remember being at right there on the three-yard line. And then getting to know Chris and, you know, the story that I told and other interactions here. And, I mean, that's just my experience with him. But as we remember Chris and you remember him, and he will certainly be remembered fondly, not only today, Thursday, when he's formally remembered at his, you know, services, but whenever it is, whenever the thought pops up. I just wanted you to know that every single time, every single time Chris and I chatted, he always would say, what do they want? What are they saying? He, he just had this curiosity and this desire to see Syracuse football, you know, rise again. It'd be great again. And nobody was happier when they did well than him, particularly, you know, the Clemson game and, you know, it just, he never lost that passion and that faith. He was very realistic, too. This is a guy that, you know, was right on, you know, front lines of it and knew certainly what it would take to build Syracuse football back up, was always straight up about that. I was really taken by a number of players that, you know, sent out messages on social media and other places over the weekend that is how of much of a mentor he was to them and the interactions that they had. And I'd certainly know what he means to a lot of people here, Matt Park and, and Stephen Fonte and Brian Higgins, who we talked to on the show Friday. And I just I was thinking of those people when the news came down. Just just devastating. Chris has, you know, four beautiful kids and his his a lovely wife who I, I got to meet and talk to a few times when she would come to the Orange Nation show. And they're certainly in our thoughts, and I hope you keep them in your thoughts this week. We're going to miss Chris. We're, we're really going to miss him. That that was a hard one. That was a hard one to take. So please keep them in your thoughts this week. We'll take a break and come back with more after this. You're on the block. Thank you. Bye-bye.